all sorts of things that can change and every patient is so different. Um, and on top of that, a lot of concerns patients come in the door with, with hormones and they feel like it is their hormones. A lot of times, yes, uh, but we also need to make sure, is it thyroid, is it gut health, is it, you know, there's a lot of other things and a lot of other hormones, cortisol, um, it's huge. Um, so that we need to really balance all of these things to make our female hormones, those top female hormones, feel and, and work better. So this morning, we're going to continue with um, some of the interviews that we do on this podcast. And um, some of you that have listened to this podcast for a while, you know that every now and then we interview other practitioners that tend to complement what we do here at R3 Physio. And so uh, this morning, I have Megan Alpha. Um, she owns Alpha Women's Wellness up in Argyle, Texas. Uh, and the reason I wanted to have her on was she has a unique approach to uh, women's health and gynecology, as well as integrating that with functional medicine. Uh, and so there's some topics that we'll be able to get into that we've really never gotten into on this podcast. So I'm excited to have Megan here. So Megan, thank you for being here this morning. Yeah, thank you, Jason. I'm I'm happy to be here and looking forward to talking to you more about all of the subjects. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, let's start off. Do you mind just giving us um, a little bit of an idea of who you are, um, you know, personally, as much as you feel comfortable sharing, and then how you got to where you are professionally? Like, why do you why do you practice the way that you practice now? Yeah. So, um, I guess what got me more into nursing itself is um, the birth of my first daughter. So I was actually pre-vet before that. And then okay. the um, the providers and the nurses that took care of me and her um, were absolutely amazing and just obviously changed my life and changed my course. Um, and so I went into nursing. After that, I discovered uh, midwifery in nursing school, actually. So my background is a certified nurse midwife. So I did go on to become a certified nurse midwife and I don't deliver babies anymore. But I definitely have always had that kind of more natural approach to healthcare, more, more holistic approach to healthcare. Um, but of course, utilize Western medicine when it's when it's really needed. Um, and so that's kind of where my transition to functional medicine and more holistic practice has has come from. Um, and so, you know, on my journey, I just my I just want to make sure, you know, as far as not feeling the best and knowing that I can feel better. And so um, through that, that def definitely changed my practice too. So my, my goal is just to help women feel better now and so that they do have longevity so that they do feel better in the future as, as we age. Awesome. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely get into um, functional medicine. Um, one of the things that um, I like to do is, um, you know, people relate to the, to the person behind um, the practice. Um, is there anything uh, interesting about yourself that you'd want to share with people listening? Yes. So um, I, one of the hobbies I picked up to kind of keep myself active is cycling. And so I definitely um, have enjoyed that over the last three, almost four years now. And um, I compete uh, on a state and national level. And I, I really enjoy in what it brings to my life. So I compete mostly in, in cross country mountain biking. 
Um, I'll do shorter track and then also marathon. So my last race was uh, a little over 50 miles and um, about 55,000 feet of climbing. <laughs> so for this Flatlander, that was, it was pretty rough, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome. That is exactly what I was talking about. So, so. thank you for <laughs> yeah, sharing for that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So we've had other um, functional medicine practitioners on here. Um but they've always been in different um, professions. Like we've had a naturopath that practices functional medicine. We've had a nutritionist that practices functional medicine. We've had a physician assistant, but we've never had anybody that's really been more in the women's health space as much as you do. And I know that's not all that you do with your functional medicine, but that's, that's a big focus of what you focus on. Can, can you start off by just for those that don't know what functional medicine is, can you, in your words, describe what functional medicine is? Yeah. So um, to me, functional medicine is a root cro- root cause approach to your healthcare. So a lot of conventional Western medicine practices, we get diagnosed with things. I feel like a lot of those diagnoses are actual symptoms of something else that is going on within the body that we need to look at. Um, so for example, a headache, um, a lot of providers will say, you know, hey, let's take a Motrin, let's take a Tylenol, you know, to try to treat that headache as a diagnosis. Well, really, that headache is probably a symptom of something else going on. So are we dehydrated? Are we lacking some nutrition? Um, is it stress? You know, is it, you know, there's a lot of other things that obviously can cause a headache. Um, so that's kind of where functional medicine lies is, you know, you're really digging into like finding out what we need to do to help alleviate these symptoms. Um, so that we feel better. Perfect. Um, and so, you know, one of the reasons that I originally started this podcast was a lot of our listeners don't realize that there are other options for them for care. They kind of go through the conventional model. And then when they get told uh, there's nothing wrong, all your tests look normal, or, mm-hmm. um, or maybe they get told that, you know, this is just, you're getting older. Um, I hear that one a lot mm-hmm. in my world. Um, you know, they, they just feel like they've, used up all their options and they really have it. Um, and so one of the things I wanted to do was put in front of people, other types of practitioners, other practitioners, especially local to our area, um, that could help them that they maybe haven't thought of. And so, um, in your case, I remember when you and I first connected, um, I I remember mentioning, you know, like your specific niche, um, the fact that you have the midwifery gynecological background, plus the functional medicine, uh, that's, that's really a rare combination. Like I, I can think of probably three other practitioners right now that, that are in the like general Fort Worth area that, um, practice in that way. And so there's definitely a need for that. Um, and that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons that I wanted to get you on here and, and, um, really kind of delve into our topic today, which is, um, more hormones and how hormones affect overall health. Um, and, um, it's a big topic. I mean, we're in October, so women's health is definitely on a lot of uh, minds right now, just from uh, right. breast cancer screening. And um, but I really wanted to talk about hormones. And so, um, if you could kind of get us into that topic a little bit um, with hormones, you know, there's the conventional approach to hormone imbalances, and then there's maybe more of an integrative approach. So I want to get into that. But first, could you just start us off by talking to us in general, just what is hormone imbalances? Like when somebody says I have hormones, my hormones are imbalanced or, um, they have issues with hormones. Like what would that look like? Like what are typical signs and symptoms? What do you see patterns of like, just kind of get us into that general topic and then we'll take it from there. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I experienced the same thing as you. I have a lot of patients come to me that have just been told, you know, you're getting older. This is normal. This mm-hmm. is, you know, you're at this age now. Um, I've um, had patients say, you know, especially with, you know, sex and intercourse, like, mm-hmm. oh, you don't need that anymore. You're this age. Well, that's not, that's not right. Um, so as far as hormonal changes go, um, you know, the average age for menopause itself is around 51 to 52, but our body starts to change even in our mid to late thirties for some women, as far as when perimenopause can start, um, that doesn't necessarily mean no cycles or irregular periods, but there's a lot of other symptoms that we have. So the things that we commonly see are, um, you know, more irritability, sleep disturbances, um, breast tenderness can start. Um, then we start moving into, you know, lack of motivation, um, decreased libido. We have, um, you know, again, increased anxiety, almost depression, um, you know, of course skin changes, you know, and then we talk about irregular cycles coming, um, which can be less cycles, more cycles, less bleeding, heavier bleeding. There can be all sorts of things that can change. And every patient is so different. Um, and on top of that, a lot of concerns patients come in the door with, with hormones and they feel like it, it is their hormones. A lot of times, yes. Um, but we also need to make sure, is it thyroid? Is it gut health? Is it, you know, there's a lot of other things and a lot of other hormones. Cortisol um, is huge. Um, so that we need to really balance all of these things to make our female hormones, those top female hormones feel and and work better. You know, most people, like you said, would think about like the estrogen and the progesterone um, as far as female hormones, but you mentioned things like thyroid um, and and Mm -hmm. cortisol. And so there's obviously other hormones in our bodies and there's other hormones that affect the different systems of the body. So one of the things that we talk about here at R3 Physio is how um, all the systems of the body work together And Mm -hmm. when we're looking at somebody for the reason that they came in, we're taking into consideration, you know, what other systems maybe you're playing into that. And so, uh, it's not uncommon for, for us to have, um, say a female in here that is experiencing fatigue or they're experiencing pain. Or for example, the other day I had, um, a lady, she had TMJ pain and she noticed her TMJ pain was always worse during her cycle. And so there's obviously other aspects that hormones affect. So, um, are there, are there any dots that you can connect of how hormones affect other systems of the body and, and maybe even, um, like musculoskeletal system, or like you mentioned thyroid, or you mentioned gut health, like Take us into like, how do those other systems play into hormones or how do hormones play into those other systems? Yeah. So, um, for example, thyroid, the thyroid, if we're hyper or hypo, it can definitely cause irregular cycles as well. Um, so oftentimes hypothyroidism, we're going to have, um, less cycles, irregular, you know, bleeding patterns. Um, which then can throw imbalances into our estrogen, progesterone, et cetera. Um, acne um, can definitely occur, you know, with irregular cycles. Now, um, I think the cortisol pattern too is is a big key of, you know, what can affect our, our other hormones as far as like the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. Um, I see so many imbalances in our cortisol with the lifestyle that we we have nowadays. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of chronic, um, 
adrenal fatigue happening um, that kind of causes that cortisol to at first be very, very high. And then eventually we'll just kind of plummet and give out. And so, you know, working again, working on all of these things is going to help put us in a, in a positive circle. So, and then once we kind of, you know, have something affected and we have this negative circle happening. So I always tell patients, you know, we just, we got to get out of this negative circle. If we can affect one thing to help us get to this positive circle, you know, a lot of times we're going to, you know, cascade into um, a positive effect on, on all, all aspects. So, so you mentioned gut health too earlier. Um, how does, how does gut health play into hormone imbalance? So, oh gosh. Big question. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, in functional medicine itself, the gut health just, it drives so much of our body. Um, if we're not, you know, we're looking into a lot of key things, gut is the first thing we always kind of think about too. So when your gut is not working right, it, it does throw off the imbalance um, of everything. Now, it's kind of the chicken or the egg too. Again, mm-hmm. thyroid. Um, thyroid itself can cause a lot of gut disturbances. Cortisol can cause a lot of gut disturbances and vice versa. So, um, you know, a lot of like dopamine, norepinephrine, all of that is also stemmed in the gut. So when we're lacking the proper absorption or a digestion, we're not getting those proper hormones then leading to more depression, you know? So, um, there's a lot of, a lot of different aspects in the gut to work on. And so doing the proper gut health testing to really look at, you know, absorption, digestion, the lining of the gut, um, commensal bacteria. So your good bacteria for having under overgrowth. Um, that's really important. And I would say it's probably one of the, one of the top tests that we, we do here at Alpha Women's Wellness. Right. Um, so let's, let's stay on the gut health topic for just a moment. Let's say there's a female listening to this and they're like, well, I don't even know what, how would I know if I have gut issues? Like, what does that look like? Um, so what would some common things that they might see or feel be? Well, I think one thing I hear from women a lot is, you know, my normal bowel movement pattern is every three days. My normal Mm -hmm. pattern is, you know, every other day. Well, we we really should be having a bowel movement every day, you know, and sometimes even multiple times a day. So that's your body's way of removing all those toxins and elements that, you know, we don't need in the body. Um, And chronic constipation like that over time um, can lead to, you know, your increased chance of colon cancer. Um, so, you know, you really gotta, uh, really try to education, educate patients on that, um, colon cancer screening dropped from 50 to 45, probably in the next few years, it's going to drop to 40. I mean, that's something that we've really got to pay attention to. Um, so now I've lost track of your original question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, sim- what are symptoms of gut health? Like what if, what would somebody feel yeah, like okay. gut issues? Yeah. So definitely the, the most common thing I see is that constipation. Um, yeah. but bloating, mm. um, that's another big thing. I have a lot of patients who are just like, I look like I'm, you know, six months pregnant mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and so figuring out, you know, we worry about again, that bacteria, are we having some overgrowth happening? Um, gas is another thing. Um, but one thing that they don't see that can really be a gut problem is again, that not digesting appropriately. So not absorbing appropriately leading to deficiencies in, in certain vitamins and minerals. 
um, that then stem to headache. So they're not thinking their gut is related to their headache, but in, you know, in reality, it really, really could be. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know that if, if somebody's been in the, the functional medicine or integrative world for even a little bit of time, they would have heard about the gut brain connection. Um, right. but you know, if, if they haven't, then that might be a foreign concept. I mean, but just thinking anatomy wise, the connections between the gut and brain, the, the main one people may connect is like the vagus nerve. Um, the vagus nerve comes off of the brain and it goes down and really goes into a lot of those digestive organs. And so like we see that in our practice often where, you know, somebody comes in, whether it's with bloating or constipation and they have brain fog and they have headaches and you treat one and the other seems to improve some. And, um, mm -hmm. so it's really, it's really interesting to see those connections because, it, you know, all the, all the systems are connected and they do tend to affect each other. And so when you talk about like, right. um, you know, constipation and not having regular bowel movements can have, can cause that buildup of toxins in your body, which can then lead to other issues. Like that's, that's so true, but it's so foreign, I think for a lot of people to think that way. And so I appreciate you, you getting into that, this, um, so I want to, I want to get us back into hormones now, um, and specifically talking female hormones. Um, you've mentioned thyroid a few times. Can we spend a few minutes on thyroid and thyroid health? And yeah, what, of course. What, what does that look like? What are some of the common things you see with, uh, with women and thyroid issues? So I will say that with my, like I call conventional blood work. So, you know, the standard kind of blood work we do at our provider's office. Um, a lot of offices check, say just the TSH, which is your thyroid stimulating hormone. Um, some will do a, a thyroid panel. Um, I typically really like to check a t uh, what's called TPO and antibodies on every patient. Um, most of the time, most, of the, most patients have not had this checked. So what this shows us is something called like Hashimoto's mm -hmm. or possibly Graves. Hashimoto's is a lot more common. Uh, about one in five women have Hashimoto's now. And so over time, what happens is their thyroid is, is normal, but they've got these antibodies starting to build up. Um, and then their thyroid kind of starts going hyper, hypo, and eventually it'll just give out and go to hypothyroid. And then that's when they need medication. Um, so there's, there's a lot of supplements, um, nutritional changes we can do to kind of help manage this and keep their thyroid happy and healthy. Um, but most of the time for hypothyroidism, you think about kind of depressed mood, depressed, um, bowels, um, weight gain, um, just again, tired, not feeling good, just all of that. But then when we think hyper, which again is a lot less common, we see sweating, weight loss, anxiety. So you kind of think about all that, like high, high stress kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, it's definitely something to rule out. Um, I mean, most of my patients coming in are pretty fatigued. They're tired. You know, they, they don't know what's going on. They've been feeling like this for a while. And, and so again, constipation is very common. So checking that thyroid, making sure we're not dealing with hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, um, is, is very important. Yeah. So, um, I had never heard that statistic one in five, um, women have Hashimoto's at this point, but I think it make it fits. Like I I've seen it. Um, I know 
women that have it, um, women that are at least aware that that's out there. But I know in the conventional world, like to get diagnosed with Hashimoto's is probably a rare thing. Like, why is it not recognized in the conventional world? Is it, is it because of the testing that's maybe not being done and not being recognized, or is it just not recognized as, as something that's truly a medical issue? Like why, why are we only seeing this in the integrative world right now? I wish I had a solid answer for that. I wish that, you know, more providers knew to check this. I think that, you know, a lot of providers in the Western medicine world are very, they're practicing what we call reactive medicine. Um, So they just, you know, they wait until that number is outside so that they can treat, treat it. Um, And so, you know, you go in, for your preventative wellness exam and annual exam and mirror and they check your blood, you're good to go. Um, and I've seen so many labs that I'm like, wait, this is not, this is not normal. This is not good. You know, I really strive to look for optimal levels in my patient's blood work. Um, so, you know, the thyroid is definitely, again, something to look at. Let's talk about fasting blood sugar with patients. Um, so for example, you know, that all the labs have different values as well of what's normal. So, and those lab statistics are based on, you know, all of the patients while our society and our health is not great either. So, um, most, most levels are, you know, as far as fasting blood sugar, normal between like 86 and a hundred. Well, ideally you really should be under 86 every, you know, a point above 86, you start not, you know, not increasing your risk just for diabetes, but heart disease, um, dementia, um, aging, skin changes, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I saw one lab that had the normal value up to 135. Oh, I was like, I mean, that's, that's diabetic. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, that's kind of scary. So if your doctor is watching you at 125, or this looks normal, keep an eye on me. You're causing a lot of damage already by doing that. Yeah. Gosh, 135. That's crazy. I was, I was shocked. I was talking to somebody the other day that, um, like I was, I mentioned like when I was in school, I think the number was 110 to be under. And like, now it's like under 90, like so it's constantly changing so the fact that they could even have a normal at 135 is crazy to me but um anyway different topic maybe for another day but um <laughs> but I'm glad you brought up the lab test like cuz that is that is a big difference in how you practice versus a conventional is like like you said you're looking for optimal and so you know if it falls within that range that the lab gives you like you said, that just tells you that you're within an average range of all the people that have gone to that lab, but it doesn't mean that that's optimal right. for your body. Um, so I appreciate that you said that, because that is a huge difference between how you would look at things versus more of a conventional approach. Um, one of the other topics I wanted to get in with you, I've seen you post about it, um, is PCOS. Um, and that that can be a hot topic in the medical community on what it looks like whether it exists, what it, what it entails. Can we talk a little bit about PCOS, some maybe common myths about PCOS and then some, some good truths about PCOS? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I definitely think it exists. Uh, and then as, you know, as more and more information is coming out, there's a lot of, there's different, 
not stages, but there's different types of PCOS as well. So not everybody presents the same with PCOS. Um, but it, you know, estimated about four to 20% of reproductive women world worldwide have PCOS. And I think it's about 12% um, within the States. So, you know, it's definitely pretty prevalent. Um, and it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. And, so. and I should have probably defined it before, but PCOS for those not knowing polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so, right. um, one that, would you say this is a myth? Um, cause I've, I've heard this often and I've seen different, the, there's a common thought that for a woman to have PCOS, they have to look a certain way. They have to have a certain body type. Uh, they have to have maybe a certain mood, but I've seen that completely the opposite as well. Um, so how would you respond to that? Like you said yes. that it can look different for different women. So what does that look like? Right. So no, they don't have to present a certain way. Um, you know, a lot of people think that PCOS patients are obese, but I definitely have seen normal BMI patients with PCOS. Um, PCOS, a lot of times, again, it's kind of a, we, you have to have so many different, different qualifications you have for different types of PCOS. So Cruciatism or hair growth um, is a very common thing. Acne is a very common thing. Um, hair loss on the scalp. But we also can use imaging like an ultrasound. Um, so a lot of patients that think about PCOS, we think about, of course, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So you think a, a pearl, string of pearls around the ovaries, basically. So it's all a lot of little cysts within the ovaries. Well, not every single patient with PCOS also has that. So that's not a, you know, definitive diagnosis is you have to have that. That's not true. Um, but it's definitely been associated with, you know, yeah, chronic inflammation, insulin resistance. That is, that's another topic <laughs> we probably could talk yeah. about for a long time. Um, but that's a lot of times related with PCOS, um, irregular cycles. So where we're skipping cycles, um, either amenorrhea or oligoamenorrhea, where, you know, it's, it's little to no cycles throughout the year. Um, a lot of these patients can have obviously infertility issues, hypertension, um, increased risk for type two diabetes, depression, anxiety, sleep issues. Um, that's another topic I talk about a lot mm -hmm. is our sleep. So, you know, there's a lot of qualifications that can lead to a diagnosis of PCOS, but they're not all the same and not all patients present the same um, with patients. And that's not something that's talked about a lot too. So, but I definitely think lifestyle um, can lead to, to to a lot of this. So let's talk about that. Um, like what what lifestyle factors could lead to hormone imbalance? And then on the flip side of that, what can we do from a lifestyle standpoint to improve um, hormone imbalances? Right. So for example, going back to insulin resistance, um, and blood sugar control. So when we start to over days, weeks, months, years, right. And we have a lot of blood sugar spikes. We have a lot of insulin surges. I talk about this a lot. Obviously that's going to increase your risk for insulin resistance. Um, thus leading to something like PCOS and hormone imbalance. Um, so when we eat a, what's called a sad diet, the standard American diet, um, we are really lacking a lot of nutrients. We're lacking a lot of micronutrients, a lot of minerals, 
um, you go eat something that has a ton of calories usually and a lot uh, less nutrients in it. So you're hungrier sooner because your body really didn't get the nutrients that it needs. Um, and so then you eat something else that's very high caloric, you know, density, um, and less nutrients. And, and so again, over, or over days, weeks, years, this, this leads to like insulin resistance. Um, so I, I really encourage people to have a whole foods diet. Um, if you think about the grocery store shopping in the perimeter of the grocery store, so more fresh fruits and vegetables, more lean meats, some of the freezer section, <laughs> but the, the more you go into the middle of the store, you know, you're going to have more processed foods, um, more additives, uh, more EDCs, things like that too. So um, at the same time, I encourage 80, 20 percent. I still eat ice cream and cookies and, you know, all the fun stuff when, when I want to, but the most, most of the majority of the time I, I do try to eat, you know, pretty whole foods. That's, that is great practical advice about the, um, shopping in the perimeter. I'd, maybe, maybe people are starting to be more aware of it, but like, when you think about a grocery stores set up, like if you stayed on the outside, if you think about it, like that's where a lot of the healthier food is. That's where the produce is. When you get into the aisles, that's where all the boxed and canned goods and processed stuff is. So, um, that's a very good, okay. good practical, um, thing. Um, so we talked about, um, how nutrition can affect, um, as a lifestyle, uh, aspect that can affect it. What, what other aspects you mentioned insulin resistance. So with that, I think, um, you know, exercise is going to be a big player as well. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, exercise for sure. Um, I think for women, especially, you know, we, we need to concentrate on strength training, um, especially as we lead into perimenopause and menopause. Um, once we hit that, it's very hard to gain muscle. Um, it's almost, you know, impossible. So we really need to maintain what we have. And so when we have that more muscle at menopause, it's going to help your metabolism. It's going to help keep your natural testosterone. Um, it kind of helps just cascade your other hormones positively and it keeps your bones healthy. So that's the big thing is because, you know, osteoporosis, osteopenia is, is so big as women age. Um, and it's becoming way more common in men, uh, mm -hmm. because of our lifestyle. So, but then once we do break a hip or something like that, as we get older, you know, we're never, we're never the same after that. So I think if we can exercise strength training for sure, is going to be really important. Now, obviously cardiovascular exercise, um, help with heart health, um, hit training is, is mm -hmm. really great to a certain extent. And just like nutrition, we need to keep our exercise very balanced as we age, going back to the hormones, as we age, if we do too much hit, we do too much endurance training, either one of those can cause our testosterone to lower. And this is for men and women. So we really need a good balance of our, um, of our exercising to kind of keep our hormones happy and balanced. Perfect. Um, and then what about, what about stress? So I'm thinking about all the women that might be listening to this. Some of them may be young moms. Some of them may be empty nesters and there's different aspects of stress that each of those are going to experience. I mean, a young mom, not probably not going to be getting as much sleep. And you mentioned sleep earlier, but how does, how does stress play into that and any suggestions for how to manage stress? Obviously it's going to be varied to each individual, but what suggestions do you have, or maybe how do you go about it? 
Yeah, I think for me, when I, you know, started becoming more active and re- well, realizing I needed to be more active, you know, there was a guilt factor of taking that time to go to the gym and, and go do the things I needed to do. But over time, I realized, and I tell patients this, it's, it's not selfish. You know, you you have to go release some of that stress um, in whatever form you need to. And so, you know, if you have a partner, I usually encourage patients, like, sit down with them at at an appropriate time (laughs) and, you know, discuss this and come up with a plan of care or a plan, you know, that of when you can go um, take that time for yourself, um, because it's, it's so much needed, especially for those, those, you know, young um, children, moms, and um, I mean, really our whole lives, we need that um, de-stress. Um, so that could be, I mean, yoga is great. Pilates is great. Just walking, being able to go for a walk, which is something you can really enjoy with your partner, um, and with your children. Um, but like I said, and then strength and cardio is going to be important to you. Another thing I tell patients, um, and I, I try to practice this is that when you wake up in the morning, you try to do some form of meditation, whether it be, you know, yoga, a little bit of stretching, just sitting there, you know, something, just some time for yourself, um, just to kind of get your day started. And it just really will set your whole day. And I don't care if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, you can build it up. Um, but having that little bit of time before you're, you know, making breakfast for the kids and getting ready for work and, you know, all the things, um, it, it can, it can really be change, change, change your day. So. Yeah, no, for sure. Those are great, great things to, to do. Um, so we've talked about lifestyle factors as a way to manage and, and help treat, um, a hormone imbalance, um, in the conventional model, you hear about things like hormone replacement therapy, um, and, and there's synthetic hormones, there's bioidentical hormones, uh, but, there's other ways to go about this as well for, for many women. And you know, sometimes that's supplementation as well with some of the lifestyle changes. Right. Um, what does, what does that look like in your practice? You, you don't, don't necessarily give us like specific supplements cause that's going to vary per, per woman, but yes. like, how do you go about uh, treating that other than the lifestyle factors? What does that look like in alpha women's wellness? Right. So first we go with testing for hormones. Um, so there's I offer two, basically two different options here. Um, we can do what I call serum blood work. So just a regular blood draw. Um, we usually want, do want to time that around cycles for, you know, premenopausal women um, and kind of see where you're at. Now, that one is kind of a guessing game when we do talk about supplements. There are a lot of supplements out there that can help with, um, yeah, perimenopausal hormone balance. Um, but sometimes when we just do serum blood work, it's like, let's try this one, see how you're feeling, if it's helping, you know, that kind of thing. I also offer something called the Dutch test. Um, so this is a very deep dive into the hormones. It goes over specific pathways. So we, it goes over, you know, we have three different estrogens, even those break down farther. Um, it looks into a deep dive into your androgens, um, testosterone, DHEA, progesterone, the thing I like about Dutch as well is that it, it really guides us on which supplements are going to be best for you. Um, and then which um, it even guides nutritionally to help, you know, to guide your care as well. The Dutch test also will look at that HPA access, the adrenals, um, and kind of see, you know, where we are um, balanced or imbalanced and what we can do to improve that. So I, I think the Dutch is, is, 
a really great resource. I wish we could, you know, do it every year. <laughs> um, but it, it really helps guide us even further, especially with the supplements. Um, for example, uh, DEM is something that's very common. Um, however, if you're already very low in estrogen, you, you do not want to use DEM. Um, so it's kind of, you know, looking at those different levels and the pathways to let us know, should we really be trying this or not? Then as we move on to, you know, and of course, nutrition as well. So we start with that. Now, if the hormones based on symptoms and where the levels are, most of my patients, I'm not quick to jump on HRT, but if we're having the certain symptoms and you've got to think about quality of life too. And so if my patients are, you know, really suffering and not enjoying their life and HRT is going to be beneficial for them, then by all means, we're going to, you know, we're going to do that. Um, so obviously testosterone, progesterone, and estrogen are going to be, you know, the HRT supplements. I usually, of course, do bioidentical. So bioidentical means that your body recognizes it as your own. Um, so like progesterone, for example, is usually made from wild yams, um, but it is produced just as your body does it. Um, so yes, we do do bioidentical here. Right. Um, and, and what you, you were talking about when you got into the, um, hormone replacement therapy, it reminded me that we really didn't talk about this, but because of your background being a nurse practitioner, uh, is that right? You're, you're a nurse practitioner, correct? Yeah. So you can prescribe yes. as well. So you have the benefit yes. of, you can take the integrative route, but if the prescription is needed, you, you can do that. Um, which yes. I think it, it's a great combination because it, it you know, we talk about Western medicine sometimes in such a negative way, but there are good aspects of it. And sometimes there's needed aspects, whether it's for a season or not. Um, and so right. at Alpha Woman's Wellness, you're you're able to take both approaches if need be. So I think that's a, a, a huge advantage um, for anybody that's coming to, to work with you. Um, well, very good. So we've covered a lot of topics on hormone stuff, um, hormone imbalances, uh, what that looks like, some of the different um, diagnoses like you know, thyroid issues and PCOS. Um, we've talked about what that looks like as far as um, some of the treatment, as far as like lifestyle changes, supplementation, um, uh, possibly some hormone replacement therapy. Um, I want to give you a chance to highlight some of the other things that you do at Alpha Women's Wellness. So, you know, we've been talking about hormones, but there's more that you do other than just hormones. So are there any other services at Alpha Women's Wellness that you want to um, share that, that people should know about? Yeah, of course. So, um, the office here, we, um, we practice almost just like an OB-GYN office. So I still do breast exams. I still do pap smears. I, I do all the standard screenings for, um, like cancer risk screening is really huge. And so, you know, this month, of course, um, being breast cancer awareness month, um, you know, I, I offer one called Myris through Myriad. And so it definitely looks for like the BRCA gene, but there's a lot more genes out there, mutations that can lead to a higher risk for breast cancer than just BRCA. Um, so we do, you know, genetic cancer screenings. Um, we also, uh, again, gut health is going to be really big. So I use a GI effects to kind of look at that gut. I know we talked about that for a minute, also do nutritional evaluation. So again, what, what supplements do we really need? What are we lacking in our bodies? I do food allergy testing. 
Um, we also offer IV services here, so IV therapy, um, as well as some injections to kind of help either, you know, boost immunity or um, recovery or, you know, a lot of different things to um, in the office. But I would think, and then hormones is, is a lot of what I do as well. So there's a, there's a lot that we look at and I'm, you know, I'm not opposed to learning and, you know, it's always a discussion with my patients. We're always coming up with a plan of care together. And when I need to, I refer, um, I think that, you know, functional medicine doesn't work unless we had integrative medicine. So integrative medicine is kind of utilizing, you know, other resources such as, you know, R3 physio and, um, you know, other physicians and providers um, to help the patient feel their best. So it's really important to, to have those referral sources as well. Sure, for sure. And, and we, we agree. I mean, you know, that's why we do these kind of interviews is because, you know, we, we're seeing patients that we, what we do at Arthur Physio alone is not going to help all of what they need help with. And so having that team of providers is so important. Um, so couldn't agree more. Um, I right. wanted to ask you real quick, you mentioned, um, you know, you do a lot of things at an OB agenda. So could a woman come to you as their OB-GYN, like, could they use you for the yearly screening? Like if they just, so like, if there's a woman like that, that's like, you know, I really don't like my OB, I'm not going to go like, could they use your services for that? Like, would that cover what they need to have covered? Yes. Yeah, definitely. So I have a lot of patients that, you know, maybe aren't even having any big concerns, but they do like the fact that, you know, maybe if something did arise, how the practice would help Mm -hmm. them. Um, so I have quite a few patients transfer their care. Yeah. Just to use me as their OB-GYN provider. Um, and then of course, a lot of, uh, a lot of patients use their OB-GYN as their PCP. So <laughs> we do a right. lot of that care as well. And like I said, I, I refer when I need to, and, um, you know, there's definitely been some pretty, you know, cases that, you know, I've needed to refer out for, and I always try to follow up and, you know, I, I feel like I, I, you know, have a great relationship with my patients and, you know, they can email and text and, um, you know, we try to get back as soon as we can. And, um, I really love the fact, you know, that, that I'm here in this area. Um, I think being an Argyle, it just, it's shocking to me. And I love how many different providers there are in this area that are so functional, uh, uh driven, um, and so I feel very lucky to to be in this area to help these patients. And um, I do also have, I do offer telemedicine as well. Okay. So I do have some patients that live hours away. Yeah. Um, so I, I really encourage them to try to come in for their first visit at least um, and really sit down together. But I definitely offer telemedicine when needed um, because, you know, again, busy, we're all busy and yeah. um, I understand that. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I I think COVID did a good job of really putting telemedicine at the forefront. Like there were some people doing it before, but it kind of forced the issue. And now I think a lot of people realize like there's a lot that we can have access to with telemedicine. So like, for example, with, with your license, do they have to be within Texas to work with you? Yes, I do have to. Yes. I'm only within Texas. Okay. So even that though, like Texas is huge. And so like, somebody from Houston that's, you know, five, six hours mm-hmm. away could have access to 
care that maybe they didn't have in and Houston probably has some great yes. care but um you know yeah. I like, have a few Houston patients <laughs> yeah so, so that that is a great great option for people um all right so before we get to the last words I, I usually like to end with um you know what you want to leave the audience but before we get to that um if somebody wants to know more about you and about alpha wellness um where can they go uh, to find out more about you yeah, so our um, our website is alphawomenswellness.com. Uh, we are definitely on Facebook and uh, Instagram. So that's at alphawomenswellness. And then you are more than welcome to email me at info at alphawomenswellness.com. And uh, again, you can call or text us at our number. So that's 214-945-8551. Um, but there's a lot of ways to to reach us. I do get quite a few Instagram messages <laughs> um, also. And so, you know, we'll guide you to the right place. On our website, there's a book now uh, button, a book an appointment. And so when you click on that, there's a option of, of different appointments that we have. Um, you can also schedule a consultation visit. So I want to offer this to patients just because, you know, you do want to find the right fit. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, finding your OB, finding the person that's going to deliver your baby or take care of you. You want to make sure it's a good fit. So the consultation visit is a 10 minute, you know, face-to-face, um, usually online, uh, visit. And, you know, that way we can just make sure we can work together, um, answer any quick questions and, you know, and move on from there. So, and then the first appointment um, is usually an hour and a half. So the patient does come in, or they're sitting down with me for an hour and a half. So it's a very in-depth appointment. We go over everything. Um, I take vitals, I draw blood, I do I do it all. So um, it's, it's a really good one-on-one time to kind of figure out what we want to do to make you feel better. Awesome. Very good. All right. So with that, what last words would you want to leave the listener with? Anything that you want? them to remember or uh, any encouragement that you want to leave them with? I think, you know, like you said, just the patients that come in that have just not been listened to, it's, it's just sad. And so I just, I want to be there for them. I really want to take the time. And that's why that visit is an hour and a half because we do utilize that whole time. Um, and, and really striving for, again, those optimal levels. I think patients are surprised that, you know, maybe their labs have never been looked at. I had a patient yesterday that, you know, we looked through her lab work. And I'm like, well, did they talk to you about this? Did they talk, you know, and she hadn't been told anything. Um, and so, you know, really letting people know there, there is simple things that we can do to, to make you feel better. And again, once you have that positive little change, a lot of times other things will start coming together too. So, um, but I'm definitely here and available. And, you know, so I, I appreciate you having me on and, you know, appreciate that. So. Yeah, no, glad to have you. Like I said, it was a topic we hadn't delved into. So I'm glad to have been able to talk with that with you. Thank you for taking the time. Um, I'll, I'll definitely make sure that um, on the show notes, all of that information to get a hold of you is, is there so people can can reach out. Um, so again, thank you, Megan, for, for the time today. And uh, we look forward to continuing to work with you. Okay. Thanks, Jason.